0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. This is Matt Warren, editor in chief over at BuffaloRumlings.com. And this is Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, I wanted to remind you, you can send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. As we start getting towards Buffalo Bills training camp, hopefully opening in Orchard Park. You can email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. You can send text messages to that number as well. You can, of course, tweet us at Rumlings Q and a on Twitter. And that's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook messages and Instagram messages will get our way as well. You can just use the regular Buffalo Rumblings accounts for those. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. This week's questions are all coming from the comments section at buffalorumblings.com in the Ask Me Anything article I posted a few weeks ago before our Ask Me Anything episode here on Rumblings Q&A. A uh, a lot of Bill's questions came in. I didn't answer those in that first Ask Me Anything podcast, so I'm going to get to them today as they're all Bills-related questions. A quick programming note before we get started. Over at buffalorunlings.com, we still have several series going on throughout the month of July as we head towards training camp. We've got the 91 players in 91 days from Sean Murphy, where he goes through every player on the roster, giving a little scouting report on each player. Our camp previews have started where uh, Sean Murphy and I are updating you on every single player on the roster at every position on the roster uh, to give you kind of a a rundown of what we expect to happen uh, during training camp and after training camp with each uh, position group. The all-decade team from the 2010s is winding down. We're going to be announcing that over the course of the next few days. uh, We've been polling and asking for fan opinions for a long time, and now it's finally going to be unveiled, so you can check all of those out. We also have the plays that define the 2019 Buffalo bills winding down as well as we uh, get through this offseason and head towards the 2020 season we're finishing up our look back at the 2019 bills and the plays that defined that season. So all of those series are still going on in addition to our worst bang for the 2019 dollar bills so the um, the worst salary cap values on the team from 2019 our best. Salary cap values on the team wrapped up a couple weeks ago. You can check both of those out on the homepage as well. Those were our big series that we ran in the months of June and July. So you can go check out all that stuff at buffalorumblings.com. In addition to that, of course, we're doing our news, notes, uh, one-off articles, things like that. So you can all check that out over at buffalorumblings.com. Chaucer over at buffalorumblings.com. Asks us, do you think the Pats signing Cam Newton makes them the favorites to win the division? I don't think it makes them the favorite to win the division. I think the Bills are still the best team. The Patriots have a good defense, but their offense is all over the place. Yeah, they have Cam Newton, who hasn't really played a ton over the last season, uh, been injured several times over the last two seasons, and his supporting cast is not very good either. So When you look at the totality of their offense, are they going to win a whole bunch of games 14 to 10? Because that looks like what their offense is going to be able to do is 10 points, 14, 17 points a game. So I'm not of the opinion that the Patriots are, you know, this, this great juggernaut of a team. They've got a very good defense, and we've seen that keep the Bills in the game for a long period of time over the last couple seasons. So they're going to win games, but I don't know if you can be the favorite in the division with one of the most scattershot offenses in the division. They don't have any continuity on offense because they have a brand new quarterback. Uh, they have a, you know, less talent at the rest of the offensive skill positions as well. They lost their offensive line coach, who was highly regarded. So there's just so many questions with the Patriots offense that I'm finding it hard to call them the 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 favorite in the division. Now, the Bills certainly have their own question marks on offense, they, but they also have stability. They have continuity. Uh, they've got guys that were together last year that proved that they could do it. They could go out and score points on anybody in the league. Maybe not a ton of points, but they could do that. And, of course, our defense is super awesome. So I still think the Bills are the favorite to win the division. Um, it might not be a lot. I mean, the Patriots certainly closed the gap when they sign Cam Newton, because he's better than Jared Stidham or whatever his name is. I always say it wrong, so, you know, look it up. I don't really care what his name is, but I don't think that the Patriots are the favorite to win the division, and I'm still going with the Bills when I make my picks for SB Nation coming up here in a few weeks. Thanks, Chaucer. Chuck Wagon asks us, Who gets a head coaching job first, Brian Dable or Leslie Frazier, and why? Uh, I think Brian Dable is more likely to get a head coaching job than Leslie Frazier, and the only reason, the only reason is because offense is king. And you keep seeing these teams hiring offensive coordinators to become their head coach and play caller because then they can't leave. They can't be hired by another team. So whether you're talking about uh, the the LA Rams or the Bengals or the Packers or whoever you're talking about, they hire these offensive offensive play callers and offensive coordinators to come in and be their head coach because then they can't get a promotion and go somewhere else. So, I think Brian Dable's the most likely person to get a phone call for a head coaching job, especially because he spent some time in Alabama. He's got um, college experience if he does get a college coaching job. You saw this past offseason that Brian Dable was interviewed by the Cleveland Browns for their head coaching job. So, I think that he's more likely to get one. But on the flip side, Leslie Frazier has been a head coach in this league. He's very well-respected, very even-keeled, calm demeanor. He he would be the guy I'd prefer to hire to be my head coach. And so it's kind of that weird thing where I think Dable's probably more likely to get the phone call, but I'd rather have Frazier if it were me. Um, And and again, it's just because of offense. Offense is king in the NFL and in college football. So you're going to—you're just seeing more and more— um offensive guys being hired as opposed to defensive guys. And whether that's fair or not is a different conversation, but I just I, I tend to lean towards the offensive coordinator being hired for the for the job opportunity before the defensive coordinator. Chuck also asks us who is the best Bills player that no one talks about. I'm gonna say Matt Milano. Um I know we talk about him a lot at Buffalo Rumblings, and I know that folks in the know in the Bills sphere talk about Matt Milano as being very, very good, whether you're um, talking about the guys over at Cover One or Joe Bascalia and the folks at The Athletic. like The people that are writing about the Bills and watching the Bills on a consistent basis know how good Matt Milano is, but I think around the league, uh, he's not a very well-known commodity. Um, I think he was a 79 in the latest Madden rankings that came out for the 2020 season. And that's just way below his talent level. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. I think he's a perfect fit for Sean McDermott's defense. And I think he's just way underrated around the league. Like I said, I know we talk about him at Buffalo Rumblings. We've done contract projections that make him one of the highest paid linebackers in the NFL. And and he was the number one player in our uh, Best Bang for the Dollar Bills series. Because I think he's really good, but I don't know if enough people outside the Bills' sphere know about him or talk about him. So he's the one I'm going with to answer the question: um, the best Bills player that no one talks about. Thanks for those questions, Chuck, over at BuffaloRumblings.com in the comment section of our Ask Me Anything post. Fan since '60 asks us, what's your take on the office personnel moves within the Pagula organization? Uh, More executives keep getting the ax. Are there financial dark clouds over their enterprise? Well, if you're talking about the Pagulas, yes, there is a financial black cloud over them, especially as it concerns the Sabres. They're paying a lot of guys that aren't there anymore because they keep firing them uh, on guaranteed contracts. So they have had to pay a lot of money for people to not work for them over the years. And they can't seem to get it right over with the Sabres. And hopefully they got it right over at the Bills. So I think they're going to leave the Bills alone as much as they possibly can. Um, those Those organizations don't need to interact very much. But, I mean, there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be people from each organization talking to one another. But I don't think that the financial black clouds are going to hit the Bills. The NFL basically prints money with its... TV deal. So it doesn't really need the in-stadium stuff. It doesn't really need to like really go out of their way to make money. And so I don't think it it's going to affect the bills as much when their kind of operating budget can really be fully Funded in-house. They're not losing 20 or $30 million a year like the Buffalo Sabres have been and need to turn it around. Uh, The Bills are going to make money whether they're winning or losing, and that's just the reality of the NFL's uh, revenue sharing. So I think it's going to be okay. I think the Bills are going to stay in Buffalo if if anyone's asking that. Um, And that was asked in a follow-up question at buffalorumblings.com. Yeah, there might be greener pastures somewhere else, but I don't think that the Pagulas are going to move the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I just find it highly unlikely that after all the investment they have made in Buffalo of their own personal money, that they're going to just kind of uproot it and take it somewhere else. So I, um, yeah, I, I don't think that there's this dark black cloud hanging over the Bills and the Bills finances. Uh, there are in parts of Pagula Sports and Entertainment, but not necessarily over the Bills. So thanks for your question. Fan since 60, and that's 1960 when the Bills were founded. So that's a pretty long time.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
1: this is a good question from n james who asks us if you could go back in time only once and undo any bills draft day trade which one would it be and wide well let's go back to the 2004 nfl draft the buffalo bills traded back up into the end of the first round to take jp lossman quarterback from tulane who has some really nice um Physical traits. He had a cannon for an arm. He was a good runner. All that stuff. But there were rumors that the Bills were interested in trading up into the top 10 from where they sat at number 13 to get Ben Roethlisberger. So Ben Roethlisberger from Miami of Ohio was falling through the first top 10 picks. And um, the Bills, there at least were rumors that the Bills were trying to trade up or wanted to trade up to get Ben Roethlisberger. So maybe it's not the draft day trade that they made that I would take back. It's, I would rather have seen them trade up and use their first round pick in 2004 and their second round pick in 2004, or even their first round pick in 2004, second round pick in 2004, and first round pick in 2005 to trade up to get Ben Roethlisberger because Roethlisberger's just been so good for so long. He's a pro bowler, uh, perennial pro bowler, just a a guy that can really come in and withstand a lot of things. uh, And, uh, Especially the way he started off his career kind of slow handing the ball off and then worked up into being just such a prolific passer. I think that he would have been a really nice fit on the Bills. And um, especially like Miami of Ohio, Pittsburgh, like he fits that Northeast kind of mentality, that Rust Belt mentality, uh, the physicality of all of it. So he would have been like what I would have wanted. I would have wanted the Bills to make that trade. Instead, they traded up to get J.P. Lossman. Uh, They traded their first round selection, uh, sorry, they traded their second round selection and fifth round selection in 2004 to move up, plus their first round pick in 2005 to get JP Lossman. If they had done that exact same package, traded their pick number 13, uh, their fifth round pick, and the first round pick for 2005, would they have been able to get up ahead of Pittsburgh to take Ben Roethlisberger? I don't know, but that would have been an easy trade for me to make. Now, that means the Bills lose out on Lee Evans, who was a very, very good wide receiver for this team over the years. But, I mean, if you can have a quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who's still playing you know, 16 years later, I I would make that trade every single day of the year. So that's the draft day trade that I wish the Bills could have back is the trade up to get Ben Roethlisberger, like I said, which was rumored at the time. Because they wanted a quarterback, uh, they ended up with Lossman when they could have had Roethlisberger. So that's a great question and something to kind of sit and, you know, I don't know, chew on for a while. And James with another Bills question uh, The Pagulas or Wilson? Who was the better owners? I think this is a pretty easy one and it's about longevity. It's about for foresight and and everything like that but Ralph Wilson's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Uh he helped establish the AFL. He came up with the revenue sharing ideas and you know really helped the Raiders stay afloat when they were cash short. Um helped negotiate TV deals. Like I mean he's just done so much for the league and for Buffalo and and the Bills that I think you just have to go with Ralph Wilson. Now, yeah, there were times when he was too cheap for his own good. Um, whether you're talking about first overall draft picks going to the CFL because they didn't want to pay f- play for the Bills, or or Jim Kelly going to the USFL, or you know, you, there's a bunch of questionable decisions that happened over the course of a long period of time, and especially um, later on in his career as the numbers got just so big. Um, I understand why, folks kind of ragged on him for a long time, but I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. This isn't like, you know, rose-colored glasses looking back on a man who's passed away. He really was great at being the Bills' owner for a long stretches of time. Whether we liked every decision he made or not, that's a different story. But the Pagulas have a long way to go before we can even mention them in the same, I don't know, uh, the same level as Ralph Wilson. So um, that's not to say they can't get there. It's just it's going to take a long time for them to get there. Thanks for the questions, James. Here's a good one from J two. The over what's the over under for Stephon Diggs being at thousand yards and ten plus touchdowns? I'll take the over on both. Um, I think the yards one's easier. Uh, I, I think he's definitely going to be the focal point of their passing offense, and with guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley, the Bills won't, or the opponents, Bills opponents, won't be able to bracket um, digs on every single play. So if if Josh Allen can hit some of those deep passes, I think it'll be easy. I mean, you saw John Brown get a thousand yards last year as the focal point of the passing game. I just I think that that's what's going to happen is he'll be over 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, 10 touchdowns is a little bit trickier. Josh Allen doesn't throw a ton of touchdowns. When they get inside the red zone, they love running the ball with Josh Allen to make it 11-on-11 as opposed to throwing it or giving him the run-pass option. But I do think that Diggs is going to get a lot of those red zone targets that Duke Williams received last year. And so if you're talking about him getting, say, three or four red zone touches touchdowns and then seven or eight of the longer uh, touchdown catch and runs where he you know makes a defender miss in you know the open field and, and takes it to the house I think 10 touchdowns is, is definitely a good mark for him and I think he's probably going to get over that um, I hesitate to go back and look at what he did in Minnesota just because the offense and the quarterback are so much different than what's going to happen in Buffalo. But I would say if they play a full 16-game season, he should hit both of those numbers. He should hit 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in 2020. Thanks for the question, J2. Uh, Here's our weekly Christian Wade question from Retro Bills. Will Christian Wade ever become a regular season member of the Buffalo Bills? No, I don't think he will. Let's get into a little bit more of a complicated question uh, from Championship Coaching. Should they take O.J. Simpson off the Ring of Honor? I think he means Wall of Fame. Um, I don't think they should take O.J. Simpson off the Wall of Fame. Uh, He was convicted of armed robbery, and that was well after he went on the Wall of Fame. Um, I know that he was tried for the murder of his ex-wife and her acquaintance. I know that he lost a civil case in that regard, but... I mean, the Pro Football Hall of Fame hasn't taken him out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, they instruct their voters to ignore off-the-field problems. Um, I think if he was up for vote now, he wouldn't be voted on to the Wall of Fame. But I also don't want to take him off the Wall of Fame for you know being convicted of armed robbery. And I know that that's a little bit of a controversial take because of some of the other stuff that goes around him and just kind of the polarizing aspect of OJ Simpson. But, I mean, he was not convicted of murder. He was acquitted of murder. And there's a lot of people who have felonies against them in the Hall of Fame and in other teams, you know, team Hall of Fames. However, they're constituted like the Bill's Wall of Fame. But, um, you know, if like I said, if he was going up on the Wall of Fame now, I don't think he'd be voted in. Uh, just look at Cornelius Bennett, who pled guilty to um, – his crimes and isn't on the Wall of Fame likely because of that, um, whereas if he was already on the Wall of Fame when that happened, he probably wouldn't have been taken off. So it's it's a double standard for sure, um, as, as opposed to going up, as opposed to coming down. So That's just where I kind of sit with O.J. Simpson on the Wall of Fame. And I do think that the biggest tragedy in Buffalo Bills history is that we cannot celebrate that guy. Uh, He was such a dynamic player. He was head and shoulders above other people that were on the field at the time. And the fact that we can't even talk about O.J. Simpson without all of the other stuff that comes in over the last 26 years is really, really terrible. Um, Obviously, what happened to his ex-wife... Uh, is also terrible i'm not you know excusing any of that stuff um but it just it really stinks that we can't talk about that guy as one of the best players in team history um just because he was so good lots of emotion and opinion packed into people's i don't know uh worldview of oj simpson and all the stuff that surrounds him so um thanks for listening for that uh let's finish it off with a lighter note though Let's go back to J2, who asks us, was Kyle Williams the best Bills player of the 2010s? There's actually a poll up at buffalorumblings.com right now asking you guys all to go vote on that, who was the best player of the decade. I think it was Kyle Williams over the course of the entire decade. Um, I'm, he, I'm pretty sure, I don't have this off the top of my head, that he had more uh, Pro Bowl bursts than anybody on the Bills during the 2010s. Uh, he was consistently very good. He was consistently where he was supposed to be, putting in the work, doing all that stuff. He even was able to avoid most of his major injuries. Um, Other guys like Eric Wood or LaShawn McCoy or Fred Jackson had uh, shorter careers or fewer Pro Bowls or whatever it is. So I think that Kyle Williams was the best player of the 2010s for the Buffalo Bills. And um, other players may have had better single seasons or better two-year runs or something like that. But I think over the course of the entire decade, it's Kyle Williams. And like I said, you can go vote on that over at com right now. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Please send in your questions for next week's episode as we get closer to training camp. We should be answering some training camp-specific questions next week. Uh, phone number 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out. You can send us emails, Rumlings at sbnation.com. Instagram messages, Facebook messages, all that stuff will get to me as well. Uh, you can leave comments in the show notes articles of our um, podcast over at BuffaloRumblings.com when those drop every Tuesday. So go leave your questions there, and uh, we look forward to talking to you as the Bills kind of get back into the swing of things here over the next few weeks. Go Bills!